Good morning, second service. It is so good to see you all. I was telling first service when I uh, first walked into the building, Brother Adam said, uh, you, pray, you preaching today? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, you got some big shoes to fill. And I was like, well, that's encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> but he went on to say, I'll be right in front cheering you on. So I was like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Can we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Do what only you can do. Show up and show off. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we got a whole lot to go over. So I'm going to do my best to get you out of here on time. But if I don't, don't hold it against me. Amen? Amen. Oh, that was a weak amen. Amen. Amen? So the title of today's message is Devotion. You are what you practice. And the focal passage is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So let's jump right in. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. Notice, we aren't the one conforming or transforming our minds. Someone else is. When God has all of us, he does the work of renewing our confused minds. He brings our thoughts in line with his own so that we think God's thoughts after him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. God has a goal in renewing our minds. This renewal allows him to merge his thoughts with our thoughts so that he can bring his plans into our lives. He calls it the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. God has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives, one that finds us when we fully surrender. You are what you practice. We are all creatures of habit. We train the neurological pathways of our brains to do certain things, a certain way, at certain times, every day. Now, some may stick more tightly to their routine than others, but we all do it. Whether you prefer the term practice, train, or even rehearsal, the psychology nomenclature we typically use is conditioning. 
the intention is to make an act or concept happen without much thought. And this is usually achieved through repetition. So, what about everyday life? What are some of the practices we've undergone that we now perform with very little thought? For those of us who drive, when you turn your blinker on, do you think about it or is it just sort of automatic? See me, I rarely use my blinker. I'm the type that just changes lanes. So I'm really bad about that, really bad. So if you see a dark brown Nissan Maxima in front of you, chances are I'll just change lanes right in front of you. I'll be that guy you're yelling at, that's me. What about brushing your teeth? Do you sit there and concentrate, okay, I'm gonna go up and down now and then in circles? Or is it more subconscious, you just don't think about it? Because you've been doing it for so many years, you've practiced, okay, the front go like this, the sides like that. See, that's called muscle memory. Over years and years of practice, you perform that act with very little thought. What about emotional? Do we practice being grateful when someone's kind to us? Thank you. That's good looking out. I appreciate that. Yes? See, that's the easy one. Do we practice extending mercy and forgiveness when someone hasn't treated us so kindly? You are what you practice. And see, that's where the greatest area of impact is. What influences do we allow ourselves to be under? Today, we're going we're gonna to take a look at how what we practice is manifested in our lives every day on two fronts. Now, let me make it abundantly clear. When I say two fronts, I mean two fronts, because there's only two fronts. There's biblical and there's worldly. Biblical is a scriptural approach toward life. The world is everything else. Everything else. So with that being said, this is a very serious topic, and it's one that we discuss often with our Rush students. You see, there's a system that we live under, and it's designed to condition how we think. It wants to define and control our priorities. Exodus 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. Jesus puts it like this in Matthew Chapter 22, verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That sounds easy enough, doesn't it? I think I can handle that. Only one God to worship and focus on. Sounds simple enough. Yes? Only one? Okay. 
But what if I was to tell you there is a system that's smarter than you, that's more powerful than you, that studies you, and that system has been around for thousands of years. And that system's sole purpose is to get you to forget making that command a priority. Not only that, but the person governing that system resides in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 6.12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Number one, devoting time in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, let's be honest. When life happens, and I'm referring to the good as well as the bad, do we automatically pray? Is that something we practice I'm into the point to, like turning on that blinker, it's a reflex. I mean that it's so much a part of us that if we don't do it, we don't feel right. Or is that not the case? Or do we practice something else? I wonder what that is. That system we spoke of earlier does not want us to pray. It offers distraction instead. And these distractions typically attempt to get us to focus on ourselves when things are positive. Yeah, I did that. I am solely responsible for this blessing to come into my life right now. Yay me! It's all about me. Or it wants you to focus on how big the problem is if something's negative. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Cancer's too big. My anger is too big. That's just the way that I am. It wants us to do anything then pray to our Heavenly Father. There's power in prayer. There is power in prayer. 
Even if you don't believe what the scriptures say about prayer, just look at the lengths the devil will go to just to discourage and distract us from prayer. The reason why he does that is because even he knows the power of prayer. So he's willing to do anything to get us from tapping into that power. See, prayer involves humility and submission. Lord, I give it to you. I let you lead and I follow. I rely on your strength, your wisdom, and your instructions. Amen? Dr. Tony Evans calls it calling, bringing in the supernatural into the natural. Jesus' disciples didn't ask him to teach them to perform miracles. Even though they watched him feed the 15,000, walk on water, and command the weather. They watched him heal a blind man and bring Lazarus back from the dead. And they didn't even ask him to teach them how to heal. They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And as he began to teach them what is now so eloquently called the Lord's Prayer, what are the first two words Jesus uses to address God? Say it louder. Our Father. That's the kind of relationship he wants with us. God loves us and does not want a long-distance relationship with his children. He wants to be intimate with us, and we have to make him the priority. Practice. Practice. You might be thinking, Brother Jamie, I don't really know how to pray. I've never been taught. Well, in this house of worship, we are all about discipleship. All about discipleship. There are men and women here who would love the opportunity to point you to our King. From infants to adults, all you have to do is ask. Amen? There are two types of prayer I'd like you to think about. The first one is formal, and this is the one that is intentional. We set aside time to be in his presence, to sit still and listen to the voice of the Lord. The second one is less formal. Now, please understand when I say less formal, I don't mean casual. We never, ever want to treat our God in a casual fashion. What I'm talking about is more of those times when something just happens out of the blue and you're praying on the spot. Essentially, it's not planned. Amen? But I like to add an extra layer to that less formal form of prayer. Talk to your Heavenly Father 
as if he was right beside you. See, often we get so bogged down on the formal version of prayer that it becomes robotic and therefore lacks intimacy. It sort of illustrates the difference between religion versus relationship. And we see this in the Gospels and the New Testament. Most of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were so focused on upholding the traditions of their religion that they didn't even see the opportunity to have a relationship with the Son of God in the flesh. Prayer is our lifeline. It cultivates an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Practice devoting your time in prayer. I see a reflection of this in my life, in my relationship with my son. I relish every moment with him. He is such a gift. And we're close. The intimacy we share as father and son is first an answered prayer from God. It really is. And it's cultivated by our style of communication. I tell him I love him all the time. There hasn't been a point in his life where he hasn't heard his father tell him that I love him at least 10 times a day. He can be brushing his teeth. Hey, man, I love you. He can be in the bathroom. I keep the door in. Bam! I love you. I tell him all the time. See, it's important that he knows his dad loves him. It's important. And, again, it's all about our style of communication. He's going to be 16 in November, and I still kiss and hug all over him all the time. And I'll probably continue doing that until he tells me to stop. Maybe. (laughs) Chances are pretty high I won't stop. Amen? I adore my son. I do. And I can't imagine him only talking to me when he wants something. Or when something's wrong. What would our relationship look like if that were the case? If he didn't share with me the the ins and outs of his day, the things that make him smile and laugh, the things that spark his interest. See, that's the type of communication that brings us closer together. God loves you and wants to be with you. The God of the universe who needs for nothing, the creator of everything, desires to be with you. He wants to be with you. Amen? As much as I love my son, 
and I really do, it doesn't compare to how much God loves us. As a matter of fact, the love I have for Trey would be considered evil in comparison to God's love for his children. Devote yourself to prayer. Number two, devoting time in the written word. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Drop down to 111. I have been given your law forever. It is the joy of my heart. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. If you see someone who seems to be given to prayer and the study of God's word, don't buy into the lie that they do it because it's easy or, or that they have some sort of gift. It's a fight. It is a fight. And the enemy isn't pulling any punches. Remember that system we spoke of earlier. Well, it definitely, definitely doesn't want you to read the word. It definitely doesn't want you to spend time studying the Bible. Those waves of distraction will continue to come. He'll use everything and anything to keep you from the discipline of studying the word of God. Even if it's not necessarily bad. Use that time to paint or go skydiving. Anything but reading the Bible. We tell our rush students, you want to read the Bible by reading the Bible. The more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. If you're waiting for a feeling to come, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because the enemy is not pulling any punches. He's going to try and distract you. But let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 42 through 44. Jesus addresses a specific group of people about a specific topic. And in this exchange, Jesus uses some pretty assertive language. Our king is not pulling any punches either. Here's a little bit of context. In the verses above, these Jewish men are basically questioning the legitimacy of Jesus' birth. They say they are Abraham's son and go even as far as to say they are sons of God. But if they really knew Jesus, if they actually knew who he was, questioning his legitimacy of the legitimacy of his birth is blasphemy. And according to the laws they follow, it's punishable by death. 
But let's look at Jesus' response. John chapter 8, verses 42 through 44. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from him. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. What I appreciate about this text is not only is Jesus direct, but he gives a clear depiction of the devil. He's a murderer from the beginning. Hates the truth. There is no truth in him. And he's not just a common liar, but the father of lies. His lies are so potent that they seem like the truth. See, we need to get a clear understanding of the spiritual entity governing the systems of the world. And Jesus lists his characteristics right there in front of us. Make no mistake. And these are the words of our king. Amen? His lies are so powerful that, like I said earlier, they seem like the truth. But he has no authority. God's word says that's been given to somebody else. But his, the, the power of his lies are so powerful that they can imprison us. But the truth is, he doesn't have the authority to lock that prison. Devotional reading sometimes requires repeat. I can tell you plenty of times where I've read a chapter, and within seconds, I get distracted. So I read it again, and then get distracted again. So I read it again. Pray before you read. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to receive exactly what it is he has for you during your time in the word. Whether it's discernment, wisdom, healing, conviction. Practice. Dig in. Make that investment. Because I'm going to be honest with you, church. The only option is to die. And see, that's what we have to realize. We have to get our hands around this. We can't simply view this as black or red letters on a white page. We have to cultivate discipline. We have to come to the point to where we truly believe that if we don't consume this, 
and learn how to pray, we're going to die. Amen? Romans 6, verse 16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So much of our lives revolves around the concept of choice. You can choose God's way or the world's way. One of my disciples and I are studying the Gospel of John. And one of the outstanding aspects of that particular Gospel that I didn't even think about until I read it this time, and I've read it plenty of times, was Jesus was dividing the people. There were those who believed who he said he was and those who didn't. But what's fascinating about that is there was no in-between. Either you believed he was the Savior, the Messiah, or you didn't. It was that clear. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to reading the word of God. Amen? Number three. Obedience. See, it's one thing to pray. Another thing to read the word and study it. But to put it into practice, to apply it, That's where the metaphoric rubber meets the road. First Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's command and remain in his love. See, what I love about that is our God is so thoughtful that he says, I'm going to send you an example. It's not one of those, do as I say, not as I do. Clearly illustrated in this passage. Go down to verse 14. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus also says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? James, chapter 1, verse 22. 
But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Obedience, in most cases, can be difficult. Especially when me, myself, and I is the concept we practice every day. Let's be honest. We want things our way. So we practice not letting God lead. But think about it from this perspective. A simple way, a very simple way to insult God is to say, I know more than you. I know more than you. See, we let our feelings and our thoughts get the best of us to the point where God's way just doesn't seem logical. God, you created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. You place the earth close enough to the sun that we don't burn up, but not too far to where we freeze to death. And I appreciate that. God, you created the human body and all of its complex organs to function as one. And I appreciate that. You put just enough oxygen in the atmosphere to sustain life. And I appreciate that. But on this, man, you must be outside of your mind. That's what we practice. Lord, you don't understand how many times this person has hurt me. You don't know my pain. Bitterness is easy, Lord. Your way is hard. How can singing praises to you help my situation? The results of prayer isn't fast enough. Or, or I'm going to try to do it my way, first, second, and third. And if that finally doesn't work, okay, then I'll resort to doing it your way. Does that sound familiar? Or is it just me? Vengeful, unforgiving, worried, anxious, fearful. If you follow the patterns of the world, these practices are the norm. The world tells you that's how you should be. And if you're not, then there must be something wrong with you. It's all over the place. The news, music, movies, and don't get me started on social media. You're laughing because you know how I feel about social media. Don't get me started. See, when we pray the prayer of asking God to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a softened heart, if you're praying that prayer and you mean it, you best buckle up. Because if you mean it, 
the Holy Spirit's going to begin to show you things that have been right in front of you that you didn't realize were there. Perhaps practices you've been engaged in for decades that you didn't realize were stubbornness or possibly even witchcraft. But it's our way. And hey, we know more. Amen? The enemy wants us to practice focusing on ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, and to let them control us. See, if we do that, he can easily send a lie that will overwhelm us easily, that will enslave and destroy us. If you don't know the word of God, how will you know the truth? Remember the scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. If we could put that back up. Oh, it's already there. All of scripture is inspired by God. What's the first thing it does for us? It teaches us what is true. Not only that, it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives, so it's going to show us. It's going to reveal that. And then it goes even further to teach us what's wrong. I'm sorry, to show us what's wrong and then teach us to do what's right. And that is to let God lead. Obedience is tough. And one of the more difficult aspects is patience. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And in that context, he's referring to put your hands down. Put your hands down. We get so anxious and so fast to do things our own way, we fall into that trap and practice that so much that we resort to asking God for his help at last-ditch effort. Obedience is tough. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gates wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You won't hear that on TV. You won't hear that in music or in movies. How narrow that path is and the fact that only a few find it, and you certainly will not hear it on social media. Amen? 
If you don't know the word of God, then how will you know what is true? Thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and Savior. See, when you know Jesus, and I don't mean know of him, when you know Jesus, his heart, his character, his peace, his love for his people, making him the priority will be what we practice. We have to discipline ourselves to be obedient to God. Even if it doesn't make sense or feel good. And even when we fall short, which we will, even when we choose to make him the last resort, he's still there with open arms. Praise him because he's not like us. If it were me, three strikes and you're out. Maybe even two. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace, the grace that we need to help us when we need it most. Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. As we close and prepare our hearts for communion and the music begins to play, let's take into consideration what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father. All things are for him. And we exist for him. See, the enemy wants us to think it's the other way around. But if you consider, let these words Penetrate your heart and your mind as you begin to devote time in prayer and devote time in reading the word and walking in obedience to clearly understand without a shadow of a doubt, we exist for him, his glory, his honor. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for the blessing, the privilege to call you Father, to know that it is your desire to be with us. Teach us how to devote ourselves to you through prayer, the study of your word, and walking in obedience. 
It is only by the blood of Jesus that these things are possible. He is the standard. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. We give you all the honor and the glory. We praise your name because of who you are, Father. Let you be our priority and first in our lives. You deserve nothing less. Help us to walk in obedience, Lord. Give us the insights and the wisdom that comes from you, Lord. Let us be an inspiration for those who are struggling in this area, Father to help them to know that it's all about you and let it be reflected in our lives. All these things we ask in Jesus' holy, mighty, and precious name. Amen. Foundation, have a good day. I love you.